The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Dear friends, um, let's make our, our way to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Very, very important message. So much so that I see a lot of men who, um, who were here last week are not here this morning. <laughs> that says a lot, doesn't it? There's been a little bit of an exodus this morning, it seems. I look around and I see more empty seats this week than last week. I, I could be wrong, but it's an observation. Friends, um, it's with great encouragement that this morning we study a husband God's way. A husband God's way. Now, <clears throat> just as I get into this, I want to mention, I realize that Africa has a very big problem. I realize that South Africa has a really big problem. And it's this. Many men have the title husband, but they do not fulfill their role as husband. In fact, in our very context, my dear friends, ladies, please do not amen. But we know men in our society, in our country, who have more than one family at this given time. It's a sad truth. They have a home in Guiani or out in nowhere. They have, they have a home, they have a family, they have kids. But in the week when they go to Joburg, Pretoria, Randburg, Free State, wherever it is, they're staying with the other family. Yes? No? Friends, I know. I'm just as African as everyone else in this room. This is the context. This is our society. The sad thing is, a lot of the women allow those living arrangements. So what does God's Word have to say about this? What does God's Word have to say about husbands who only have, you know, according to God's Word, one family, and yet they do not fulfill their role in this God-given relationship. See, last week we spoke about the wife's role in submission and what God's Word has to say about the wife. Here's the thing, and as I stressed it last week, I'll stress it again this morning by God's grace. Marriage, marriage is a wonderful, wonderful blessing from the Lord above. The Apostle Paul calls marriage the grace of life. If you have not been called to marriage, my dear friends, listen to this. Paul has great encouragement for you. It's a, it's a, it's a special blessing. Right? But for the rest of us who do not have the gift of celibacy, who desire companionship, who desire marriage, God's word has just as much to say. But here's the thing, since the fall, the fall of man, the very best that marriage has had to offer in this world is that feeling we have in the beginning, that feeling of excitement, of emotion, that feeling of love, the feeling of bliss. And sadly, if that's how your marriage starts and, and that's the only thing it hangs on, that's the very hinge that, that it depends on, your marriage will gradually descend 
into bitterness, discontentment, unforgiveness, which eventually leads to separation. And once that happens, my dear friends, apart from the hand of God, divorce. Since the fall, we can see that marriage has been attacked. It has not been an easy road for marriage. Just in Genesis, we saw this last week. In Genesis alone, we see the internal struggle of marriage. The woman seeks to rule and not to submit. She wants to control. The man is, is cursed with a desire to overpower his wife and not lovingly lead her. He wants to subdue her and crush her. We see that there's external attacks on marriage. Polygamy, adultery, homosexuality, fornication, prostitution, seduction. That's Genesis. We haven't even gotten past the closing chapters of Genesis at this point. So friends, you can see as a result of the fall, marriage has been under severe stress, under severe attack. That's what it is. It's an attack. It's an attack on the family. And if the church, if we as Christians, if we do not stand firm, if we do not teach these truths, if we do not practice these truths in our homes, guess who's going to win? The world will overpower. It will. So this morning, as we'll see, as we saw last week, you put in the mix two sinners. Guess what you will find? Sin. A lot of people would think, yeah, but when you put a man and a woman together, it's such a beautiful thing. And it is, and that's God's creation. It's His intention. The problem is you're putting one sinner and another sinner together. Sin is bound to stick out its head. And so as we approach this morning's message, I remind you when we started this series, what was the basis for every other relationship? What is the basis for every other relationship? Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As believers, my dear friends, we serve one another in humility. We submit to one another in humility. That is a default position for us when it comes to all relationships. Last week we studied with so much intent the role of a wife when it comes to submission. A wife God's way. This morning, my brothers, my sisters... We talk about a husband God's way. And I read for us from verse 25. Ephesians um, chapter 5 verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. A bit of a adaption to this morning's outline. Last week we looked at the matter of submission, the manner of submission, the motive of submission. We changed it up slightly. In the sense that the first thing is, for a husband, God's way, is that you need to understand the manner of love. The manner of love. I think it's a Christian's duty to understand the matter of love. But as husbands, it's how we love. So, I want to say this as well. For all our ladies who desire marriage, who are being pursued, who have a desire to be pursued, if this man comes knocking on your door and he's nothing in resemblance to God's word, don't think he's going to just miraculously change overnight. Paul tells us, the husband's responsibility is to love his wife. His wife. Not someone else's wife. Not the wives. His own wives. His own wife, sorry. Scratch that out. Just, I'm just seeing who's awake. Got you. It doesn't say rule her. It's told here, love her. So listen, we know that the relationship works like the relationship works like this. She submits to him, and now he is to express his love to her. It's a leadership of care. Do you get that? If your husband's not leading you, he's not loving you. That's what Paul says here. It's a leadership of care. He is the head of the household. He's the head of the woman. Just as Christ is the head of the church. And God is the head of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11. That's the role. That's the manner. It is His responsibility to give direction, provision, and provide leadership. Fellow husbands, this is in the context of love. This is how you love your wife. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. See that command? Love and do not be embittered against them. So it's the headship of love. It is the leadership of love. It is the guiding of this affection. And so Paul says, Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You love your wife. You give yourself up for your wife. Let's put it this way. It's a love of self-sacrifice, men. It's a love of self-sacrifice. You are dying to yourself. You are to love your wife. Just as Christ loves the church. Just as Christ gave himself up for the church. What does Jesus do the moment he was conflicted? The moment he was conflicted, 
And let's not even use that word because it might cause confusion. Before his death, we see Jesus do something so radical. He goes into the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knows this. This has been the truth from the foundation of creation. Christ will die. The lamb will be slain. He knows his physical death is within hours away. What does Jesus do? He goes before the Father in prayer. Not my will, but yours. And he lays down his life. Husbands, when you come to that point and you say, but I don't feel like serving her right now. I don't feel like doing that right now. Are you laying down your life for your wife? Yeah, but it's so mediocre. Come on, I'll do it in, I'll do it in an hour. Will you? Will you? Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. That's the manner of love. That same kind of love that Christ extended to his church. Listen to this, Acts chapter 20. It says that Christ bought the church with his own blood. He bought the church with his blood. Romans 5 verse 8 gives us this picture where Jesus pours out his love in his death for unworthy sinners. Romans chapter 8 tells us that that it's this unchanging, undying love that Christ has for the church, for unworthy sinners. Now in the context, when Paul writes these things to the Romans, let me tell you something about the Roman context. This, the fact that your love for a woman needs to be so elevated, so committed, was foreign. It was such a foreign idea to the culture of the day. Paul is writing to Christians who have a tradition, who have a heritage, who have a history of mistreating women. Do you get that? Cato, a Roman writer, said, If you are to catch your wife in the act of infidelity, kill her without a trial. But if she catches you, she would not venture to touch you with her finger. She has no right. Paul, in this context, is telling the Christian men, love your wife. Pursue your wife. Lead your wife to a mindset where this doesn't exist. He says, are you kidding me? I need need to pursue my possession. That's how they saw women. See, in this day, man had complete control over the female population. Both his wife, his daughters. He could take their life at any minute without any legal remorse. They just... So Paul says, husbands, love your wives and sacrifice your life for them. Just as Christ gave himself up for the church. Because that they understood. They understood the gospel. They understood that Christ died so that sinners may live. Now Paul says, this is what our Savior says. Just as he gave himself in loving the church, 
you give yourself in loving your wife. Oh wow, I must do that. It's mind-blowing stuff. This is not happy wife, happy life kind of thing. What women were considered less than human. They were considered slaves. They had no rights. And now Paul says, love your wife. Pursue her. With the same exchange that Christ gave his life for the church, this is how you love your wife. Again, I say it's a self-sacrificing love, brothers. Peter goes on and he further defines this love in 1 Peter 3 verse 7. He says, You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as the weaker vessel since she is a woman and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Profound. Profound. Husbands, your wife is not created the same way you are. She's not a buddy. She's not a work colleague. She's not a friend from high school. She is delicate. She is created as the weaker vessel. Now, lead her. Provide for her. Care for her. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Now there's a number of things here. And I, I want to use John MacArthur's summary, summary of them. Um, he has three C's. Three C's. Letter C for Charlie. Firstly, husbands, here's your first C, consideration. Consideration. Living with your wife in an understanding way is the opposite of having a self-serving mentality. This is understanding your wife. It's being sensitive to your wife. It's meeting her needs. It's understanding her feelings, her fears, her anxieties, her concerns, her goals, her dreams, her desires. Husbands, have you considered your wife? That's a pretty big deal. This passage tells us that you, you have to understand her heart. And if you don't understand her heart, how can you love her the way Christ loves the church? Pursue your wife. Sacrifice in knowing your wife. The second C is courtesy. So we have consideration and we have courtesy. Don't just live with her in an understanding way, but as the weaker vessel. As the weaker vessel. Meaning, yes, physically, you are unequal. Friends, we've got to deal with that. This gender equality in the, in the workspace, I understand. Physically, there's a difference and God created it that way. Intentionally. Men, you are unequal to your wife. Physically. And for this reason, you've got to show courtesy. 
She is weaker. That you need to understand that there is a physical weakness in a woman. That God designed her to be under your protection. That's what it is. It doesn't take away a woman's right. Because she's the weaker vessel. It means you need to step it up. Because she's the weaker vessel. And women, you need to understand that. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't diminish who you are. It exalts who you are. And it puts, it puts pressure on your husband to fulfill his God-given duty. Our wives need our strength. A man must protect his family. A man must protect his wife. It's not sexist. It's biblical. So we have consideration, meaning to live with her in a way of understanding. Secondly, courtesy, treat her as the weaker vessel. Be her strength on the physical side. Thirdly, we have communion. Communion. Meaning, brothers, treat her with honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Yes, men and women are unequal physically. But man, you can count on me to say it every time. Men and women are equal spiritually. Men and women are heirs of Christ. Treat your wife as a spiritual equal. Don't diminish her. Don't break her down. It's not your place. Your place is to lead her, build her up, lead her to God's word, encourage her. Men, we are to love our wives and that is a command. When you don't feel like it, listen up. When you don't feel like being married to your wife, you are married to the command. Love your wife. You can't say, I don't love her anymore. Well, you've got to confess because there's sin in your heart. That's why. You can't say, well, you don't know how she treats me because that's not the issue. Christ loved sinners even when they murdered Him. Man up, Paul says in the book of Corinthians. Act like men. If you truly love your wife, yes, there's feelings. Sometimes there's no feelings. Man, there is a wonderful friendship. There is, the feelings can be thrilling. And it's exciting. It's a blessing. It's encouraging. To have that union. To nurture it. To cherish it. That's the manner of love, dear friends. But we move on to the motive of love. From verse 25. Again he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands... Should love, or in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, 
but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of His body. Listen, the Spirit-filled husband loves his wife not for what she can do for him, but because of what he can do for her. Men, you have to erase the idea that's in your mind that I, I need to exchange with her. That if I do something for her, she needs to do something in return. Because that's love. It's not. It's not men. We, we cannot expect something in return and, and say, but that's love. What did Christ expect on the cross? Did he expect sinners to love him for what he did? They scold him. Listen. This is how Christ's love, or Christ's love worked. This is how his love works. He loves us not because there is something in us that attracts him to us. He loves us because he determined to love us in spite of our unattractiveness. He didn't look at you and say, wow, you're wonderful. I'm going to save you. Listen, men, men who have been married for years and years and years, when you wake up and you get the thought in your mind, is this really the woman I fell in love with? Rebuke yourself. Rebuke yourself. Because what are you looking for? What are you doing? It's not a question of deserving. You can't say, but my wife doesn't deserve my love. Have you seen her? She does nothing in the house. I go to cook all the meals. I iron my own clothes. I'm sorry that's your situation. But it's your wife. And you are to love your wife. And I believe that in loving your wife, that would change. By God's grace. Listen. I continue. Christ doesn't save us because we were desirable people. So we can't say, I love my wife because she's a desirable person. We don't deserve His love, yet He showers His love on us. If you think for a moment your wife doesn't deserve your life, your love, brother, you better love her more. You better love her more. Swallow your pride. Dear men, swallow your personal desires, swallow your personal ambitions, swallow your fantasies and daydreams about how a life with someone else might have been. Don't do that. Don't play with that temptation. Don't for a moment imagine, but what if the circumstances were different? They aren't. They aren't. This is your wife. This is your marriage. What are you doing about it? Love your wife with a love that knows nothing of self. Only of her. 
of her needs, her concerns, her heart, her sacrifice. Brothers, is this how you are pursuing your wife? I can tell you this. In the years you were dating your wife, you were doing some of these things without question. Putting your best foot forward. Man, it was good. Now it's ball and chain. Please. If that's what you think your marriage is like, please, come and see me. It's a, it's a love that comes from the Spirit of God, brothers. We love because He first loved us. If your marriage is hard, I want to say praise God. Because He is sovereign and He does all things for His glory and your good. Amen. Now I'm willing to pray with you and walk with you in your hard marriage. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the, to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again. Husbands, how do you love your wife? Is it with pure intention? Or is it a transaction? This is the kind of love that belongs only to people who have been born again, he says. This is what makes it possible for me to lay down my life for my wife. The world is going to continue to try and hang love out in front of you like a carrot in front of a donkey. It's going to try and romanticize love. The butterflies will eventually stop, my dear friends. And then what, what do you have? What do you have? I want to encourage you, make a note. C.S. Lewis, four loves. Four loves. If you're not married, go and read that book. Go and read that book. My dear friends, if you do not have as your foundation in your marriage, friendship, but only this exotic love, this exotic passion, when those things fade, your marriage has nothing. I tell you what, the year before my wife and I got married, was man we became the greatest friends and it's so good it's so good to know that my wife is my friend more so the bonus is she's my sister in Christ so you have that when the emotions are gone when the butterflies are gone what do you have how personal is your relationship how deep and intimate is your relationship? Men, it is your job to pursue. Listen. God so loved the world that He gave us His Son. Christ so loved us that He gave His life. Now we love our wives to the point of self-sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 13. Every characteristic of love which is listed here is in verb form, meaning it's an action. What does that tell you? Love acts. Love acts. 
Ladies, if you have a man pursuing you and he's not portraying this in his pursuit, step back. Step back. Love does something. In fact, Paul writes, love is not jealous. It does not brag. It's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in the unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Men, all of those verbs, that's how love acts. Listen, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to us. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching to us. Don't think I've arrived. Love is not easily provoked. Love doesn't cheapen the relationship. Love doesn't seek its own. Listen, brothers. Love doesn't keep an account of all the wrongs. Neither should you. Amen? Neither should you. It endures all things. Listen, love believes the best for your wife. It hopes the best. It endures everything. It does not fail. That's the character of love. That's how we are to love our wives. And the best part is we have been given the capacity to love our wives in this way. I've met brothers who got saved during their marriage and they're now in unequally yoked marriages. It's hard. It's hard to have a spouse that doesn't share in your belief, that doesn't share in your joy and your passion and your love. But they do not curse the day they were married. They do not curse their wife. They're hopeful. They're hopeful. They pursue their wives regardless. Listen, it's because this love is not dependent on the object by itself. It's not dependent on physical appearance. It's not dependent on muscle tone. It's dependent on the one who is loving. If you are not loving your wife, she is not loved by you. Do you get that? Let's move on. There's a third point, and that's the model of love. Motive says a lot, doesn't it? It tells us to look above and beyond the physical. It tells us not to transact in our marriages. The model of love says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The model is Christ and the church. It's Christ's love for the church that models for us as men to love our wives, to understand my wife's desires, needs, Longings and even her frustrations, especially if I'm part of it. We are to understand her strengths, her weaknesses, 
We are to understand how to please God by honoring her as a fellow Christian, as a fellow heir in Christ. Brothers, this love is evidenced by the great self-giving sacrifice of Christ choosing to pursue His bride. That is the standard. That's the standard. It's a purifying love. We read in, in this letter, Paul says, Christ loved the church enough to sanctify her. So brothers, you are to love your wife in such a way that you help her walk towards and work towards godliness. That you are spiritually uplifting her. It has the effect of making her holy, helping her to work out her salvation. Because the beauty of a woman is not external, the beauty of a woman is internal. It is her glory that shines through the work of God in her heart. So it makes her beautiful. Christ working in and through her. How are you helping her to do that? Man looks on outward appearance, Scripture says. God looks on the heart. Husband, it is your goal to give your life on her behalf, leading her into godliness, that she would be holy and blameless, even as Christ loves the church. How are you pursuing and leading your wife in this discipline? I think there's if we go down to verse 31 I want to read it again therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife when you get married you become one right so in this verse you are one body so if her needs are met guess what your needs are met and you want you want to have this happiness in your marriage. Therefore, treat her this way. Something is seriously wrong when a man sees his wife as only the cook, the clothes washer, the babysitter, the sex partner. That's not who your wife is. That's not what she is. Something is wrong when he puts her in the place of the breadwinner. When you do the opposite, when you say, well, my wife shouldn't be at home, she should be out there coining it so I can buy that boat. We can live in that house. Who cares about our children? Brothers, the husband is to care for the wife as Christ cares for the church. Verse 30. Because we are members of one body. We are one with Christ. We are one with each other. And that's the point. Quite frankly. That's the model. The model for loving your wives gentlemen is this. You are to love them as Christ loved the church. By laying down his life. Giving it by pursuing the church to holiness, 
by caring for the church. Still, it's sacrificial, it's purifying, and it's a caring love. In the closing hymn we'll sing, we sang it last week, like a bride waiting for her groom. We kind of have it mixed up these days. We have our wives come down the aisle, husband, you know, husband-to-be waiting at the altar. This was not always how the ceremony was done. You'd have the wife come in and wait at the altar. And you'd have the husband come, come down the aisle, come toward the altar as the initial pursuit in the marriage. He is pursuing her. He is coming to her so that he can now lead her. Men, the day you say, I do, and you put that ring on your finger, the pursuit doesn't stop. Now, you have the biblical license, the biblical authority to lay your life down for your wife. To give for the sake of your wife. Is this what you desire for your marriage? Is this what you desire, brother, for yourself as a believer? My dear sister, I want to tell you this morning, don't lower your standards. Don't do that. There's no guarantee that a person will change because he's wearing a ring. The spirit of life who works in our hearts. He is the guarantee that we will change. Let's close in prayer. Our Lord, we want to pray and thank you for this message. We want to thank you for the truth. We want to thank you that, Lord, you use it as a sword to come and, and pierce. To split which shouldn't be there. And so as we ask this morning that you would help us as men, as leaders in the church, as, as leaders in our home, as men to fulfill this biblical command in loving our wives, as we pursue the truth, as we pursue the counsel of your word, and as we pursue the grace of your spirit. Lord Jesus, will you enable us to love our wives as you love the church. I pray for the women in our room this morning and I ask Lord Jesus that you would just give them a reassurance of wherever they are in their marriage, wherever they are in the pursuit of marriage, Lord, to examine your word accordingly and to test the fruit of that relationship. We're thankful for this truth and we're thankful that you edify us. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.